Hello and welcome to the Formula Scout podcast. Formula Scout is home to news, features, analysis and podcasts from the world of junior single-seater racing, tracking the progress of future Grand Prix stars. My name is Craig Willard and I am joined today by Joshua Satil, Bethany Waring and Elliot Wood to discuss a lot of news, a lot of analysis and a lot of features. And let's start with Formula 2 and Formula 3 news because we've had plenty over the past week and a bit. Um, including the, the final two rounds of the Formula 2 season being announced at Bahrain, um, which is traditionally the, the um, razor for, for the championship. Um, but this year it will host the finale instead of Abu Dhabi. Now, the layouts it will run on have yet to be determined. Um, we understand that there is a possibility that it could use uh, the, the outer loop that is being tipped to, to host the, the Formula One race and guys do we think that that would be a, a really cool track to to end the season on uh start with Josh yeah Bahrain in general is definitely a good track uh, great for racing obviously in in Formula Two in the past it's sort of you know tire dominated very much if you can save your tires it's a great track uh but if you can't then uh it's obviously not very good uh but yeah hopefully we'll get a different layout for the second round uh just because of course for Silverstone and the Red Bull Ring uh, you know, as great as those tracks were, it would have been nice to have a, an alteration at the, the second time of going. So, yeah, hopeful for Bahrain, but we'll get a different layout. But um, I know it's all sort of up in the air at the moment. It's Let's be honest, it's probably just going to end up with the, the same track both weeks. But even if it does, uh, that's perfectly fine because, uh, yeah, Bahrain's a great track. Mm -hmm. Elliot, what do you make of, uh, of the Bahrain International Circuit? Um, from, from experience of playing it on F1 games, it's definitely one of my favourites. And for racing as well, normally kind of the strategy conundrums that plays out because of its surface and the temperatures you get in the Middle East, it does make uh, very exciting racing in the junior classes especially. Mm -hmm. And Bethany, do we think the, the how late it's going to be in the calendar year um, could throw a couple of surprises up? Yeah, um, it's the other, entirely other end of the calendar, so that should make it'll probably make things a little bit different. I think it's worth mentioning that Bahrain 2, the circuit's not subject to homologation. So I don't know whether that means that we'll probably have the same the same circuit as before, whether that adds to that um, that likelihood. But it's worth pointing out. But yeah, I, I think it's going to be different to normal years, but I also think that the two we've seen before, two rounds haven't made the second round any less exciting so i think it should just be still as exciting mm -hmm. uh, it definitely gives uh the scope for for the alternative strategy in the sprint race i.e making a making a sprint race pit stop um let's move on to to driver changes in formula two uh there's an update on on sean galale he's out for at least the next four rounds or six weeks whichever way you want to put it with a broken vertebra um we all wish him very well. He will be replaced um, for at least the next two rounds by uh, Formula Regional European driver and Red Bull junior, Yuri Vips. Um, it's not 100% sure whether he is going to do Mugello um, yet or not. And that is something that Elliot should be able to give us a bit of an update on. Yeah, so uh, I saw him in the paddock at the weekend in, at Paul Ricard and... That was literally minutes before he was announced as uh, Dan's new F2 driver. 
so his primary campaign is supposed to be Super Formula this year. And to do that, he may have to quarantine in Japan for two weeks. And if he does want to do that, that means he would have to miss Miguelo. But at the same time, if Japan um, doesn't actually give him a work visa in the first place to get into the country, then he'll be free to do um, the Miguelo round in F2, which also clashes with Formula Regional. So uh, he really doesn't know what he's going to be doing that weekend uh, at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how do we think that Vips is going to get on? Because uh, I, I think it's safe to say that Dams is not the you know the strong outfit that you you would expect in Formula Two this year. Um, they've been more picking off uh, sprint race results rather than, rather than feature race ones, uh, primarily with Dan Tickton. Whilst Galau has had uh, a myriad of uh, reliability problems and. and and bad luck, essentially, especially with, with his injury. So what do we think we can expect from Vips um, this weekend and at Monza and possibly at Mugello? And I want to start with uh, with Josh on this one. Yeah, in terms of dams, uh, this will be their worst season since 2008 when they had Jerome D'Ambrosio and Kimu Kobayashi as their drivers in GP2. Uh, they finished eighth in the championship that year. And that's sort of what they're obviously on for at the moment. Uh, a pretty sort of uh, tricky season for them. Obviously, on one hand, they've only had sort of one really strong driver. Uh, I mean, even Galeo's car has obviously had quite a lot of issues as well. Uh, massive sort of reliability woes, especially in the, the second Silverstone round, um, which means he couldn't even basically start or, or finish both races. So, um, you know, in terms of reliability, let's hope that that second Dams car is, is reliable and, and those sort of issues have been fixed. Uh, it's going to be difficult for Vips. You look at sort of the history of drivers coming in in this era of Formula 2, uh, and there's not really, a, it's not um, a huge success story, really. Um, Alessio Lorandi in 2018 picked up six points. Boccal actually got three for MP. Um, obviously, Tickton made his own debut in 2018 in the final round. He qualified 14 for Arden. Um, so it is really, really difficult. I mean, people should not be expecting Vips, Vips to, to jump in and, and be on the podium straight away. Um but Spa and Monza are definitely two good tracks to sort of join at um, because it's tracks he knows and tracks that um, it really does put a lot of emphasis on the driver. In previous years, one team hasn't had a huge advantage around here as opposed to other tracks like Silverstone can be quite sort of uh, team-influenced. Um, so I'm expecting a, a decent debut for Vips. I mean, it's uh, you know a current Red Bull driver going up against the next Red Bull driver in the same team, which uh, should be quite entertaining. These two were, were teammates in European Formula 3 as well. So, so they know each other quite well. Um, I think more than anything, it's a, it's a shame that this wasn't the case at the start of the year. Um, Vips has probably been the, one of the most affected drivers because of the pandemic. Uh, and now sort of Yuki Tsunoda in this own, you know, Formula 2 series is kind of stealing the march a little bit on Vips in terms of who's most likely to get that F1 graduation next year. If Danny Kvyat, you know, leaves Alpha Tauri, which I think is probably fairly likely, at least, for, for, at least by 2022, if not 2021. Um, so yeah, Vips definitely needs a, a strong weekend, but I think he can do that. Tickton, on the other hand, you know, really can't afford to get beaten by Vips, um, who's just coming in now with like no testing, no experience uh, at this level. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. I'd, I'd say like two top tens would would mark a good result for for Vips, and Tickton's not the strongest in qualifying, so I would say that Vips could even out qualify him um, within these next couple of rounds. Could be a, a realistic target. Mm-hmm. Bethany, do you do you agree with that, or do you think that it could end up being a bit sort of one-sided or or something like that? No, I agree with Josh. I think 
uh, Vips ha doesn't really have much to lose in this as long as he's um, relatively competitive he's going to look good and if um, TikTok is beaten by him then he's going to look then TikTok's going to look really really bad and I also agree that it's a shame this hasn't been as it was from the start of the season Vips has been really messed around um, obviously not entirely Red Bull's fault they couldn't have predicted the pandemic although I doubt sometimes I wonder but it's it's good to see Vips getting the step up but I don't see him being like challenging for race wins immediately but if he does if he does carry on first couple of rounds we will probably see him on the podium I expect mm -hmm. and Elliot you, you obviously uh, spoken to a fair few drivers who um, jump in between series uh, in a calendar year and some that are set to do so again this weekend as well how difficult is it to to um, jump between car and different cars and different tires and different engines and different tracks and so forth the hardest car probably of all of them to jump into is an f2 car uh, some would argue an f1 car is easier to, to kind of drive for the first time because of how much downforce has um whereas the, the pure numbers on an f1 an f2 car are are quite low so it makes it more difficult and also the Prelli tyres which are most complicated tyres probably in motorsport uh, that's going to be a real challenge for Vips and for him to out-qualify Tictum uh, I think could could happen because Spa-Francorchamps is all about the, the slipstream so if you can get like a, a good slipstream then there's nothing to stop him out-qualifying his teammate but in the races I think it will come down to what he can learn from the simulator session that he had yesterday afternoon uh, before travelling to Belgium. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and there, there are a couple of murmurs going around that Sergio Sete camera was in, in the frame for that seat as well. Um, obviously, he's been racing in Formula E um, uh, over the past month or so uh, with, with Dragon Racing. Um and that is something that he he is set to to pursue a further career in, um, which I think would be a good step for the former F2 driver. Um, you've got some news, Elliot, on Faku Regalia, of all people. Uh, do you want to talk about um, uh, an F2 super team, if you will, that, that didn't quite pan out? Yeah, so Faku Regalia ended up racing in Formula Regional European Championship last weekend. Uh, and a rather odd uh, method of doing it. He's basically a driver coach to one of the drivers in the field and the sponsor of that driver coach and uh, a few other interested parties helped fund him to race in the second of Van Amersport Racing's cars for the weekend. Uh, and we actually put the full interview with Faka Regalia about this up as a podcast by itself. Uh, yeah, and basically Regalia was supposed to do GP2 back in 2014. Uh, with ART Grand Prix. Uh, and obviously ART that year around Stoffel van Dorn, who had a brilliant rookie season and then dominated his second year in the championship. Uh, and their plan originally was for the French squad to run Regalia and van Dorn together, with uh, Regalia having come up as the runner-up in GP3 the year before, uh, which was won by Kivgat that year. Uh, but unfortunately, budget problems meant that didn't happen. And he ended up at Hilma Motorsport, which is Force India affiliated at the time. Uh, and he didn't really have a much fun time of it. So kind of dropped off the single-seater radar until 
last weekend, so pretty much five years had, had gone by. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a very long time to to be out of a single seater for. Uh, let's move on to FIA Formula 3, because there are quite a lot of um, announcements there over the past few days, really, um, some of which came just this morning. So David Schumacher has left Chirouz, and he has joined Carlin in the seat that was once um, held by Enam Ahmed. Max Futrell has left High Tech, um, and he's been replaced by Regalia's um, protégé, if you will, Pierre-Louis Chauvet. And Andreas Esner is in for Sophia Flersch. So uh, that that leaves a seat available at Chirouz, um, who we, we don't know the, the identity of quite yet. But uh, what do we make of all of these driver changes? I, I think the Schumacher one stands out for me because in our every data analysis feature, we, we did point out that uh, Chirouz's outfit has really, really been struggling this year. So, um, Elliot, you, you helped out on this feature as well. Um, do you think that that's a, a sensible move for Schumacher, or um, is it one that might be a bit tricky um, going further down the line? Well, obviously he wants track time throughout this year, and he has well, he prepared the budget for a full-season FIA Formula 3, so he'll want to use that budget. Um, I think it's rather telling that a lot of drivers have and use this opportunity between Hungary and Belgium to, to leave or change teams or essentially review what's been happening and, and make a decision off that rather than continuing to commit to something that may not be totally rewarding. And for Schumacher, that's pretty much definition of it. He's highly rated. He's very quick. We saw in testing, he was quite good. And I think at the end of last year, especially in Valencia testing, he looked rather impressive. But this season has not been good for him. And compared to his teammates, he has actually been fairly level with uh, Igor Fraga and Roman Stanek. And they've all got varying levels of experience. So for him, I think it's mostly a fresh start. And I think it also indicates he'll be staying in the championship next year as well by changing teams, because otherwise he could uh, drop out, look for budget to do something else next year. But clearly he wants to stay in the car and and get more track knowledge. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Bethany, do you want to talk about um, Futro a little bit? Um, because his season to date has um, definitely not gone the way that he would have expected or hoped. Um, he's regularly looked um, well, not on the pace of someone like Liam Lawson, for example, who's in the same team and is fighting for the championship. Uh, Futro is languishing down the, the championship order at the moment. And um, obviously decided that um, leaving high-tech was the best thing for him. Yeah, um, I think good things were expected from Futrell. He's Renault affiliated. He really was, in my eyes, before the start of the season, one of the best place Renault drivers. And he just hasn't been able to make that work. His wording in the... um, in the announcement, I'm scrolling, trying to find that now. It didn't give me hope that he's leaving because he thinks there's better things coming. Like, I've made the right decisions. I feel I've made the right decision so I can regroup and look ahead to future plans. That to me doesn't say I've got a seat at a top team and I'm leaving now. That, that to me, look, says... 
I really don't like this and I'm not going to continue doing something that I don't feel comfortable in and I don't really have a backup plan right now but it's better doing something is better than doing this so it's interesting and I do hope he does something this year because he is he's a driver that never really but he was in British Formula 4 a few years ago and I keep going back to British Formula 4 but he was there and he was never my pick for the championship until the end of towards the end of the season when he suddenly came out of nowhere. He obviously in Renault he kind of picked up, but it, he's still never been a really superstar in the same way as some of the drivers he's competed against. So I hope he does find something to do this year that's at a similar level and. Because he is a good driver and Renault really needs their drivers to carry on doing something decent, even if they do keep ignoring them for drivers that have been out of F1 for a while. Yeah, so I wonder who you could be referring to there. Uh, now, Josh, could you talk a little bit about Chauvet? Um, because he's been a little uh, a surprise package in um, Formula Regional European this year, uh, I, I think, anyway. Uh, would you agree with that? And what do you think we can expect from him? Uh, not, an, not an entire amount of a lot. That sentence does not make sense. But basically, I wouldn't be expecting too much from him. Uh, I mean, yes, OK, he's had a, a decent season in Formula Regional this year. But then there are only about 10 cars in that series. And obviously... You know, five of them are, uh, four of them are, are promo cars. Yeah, he, he's done a decent job in that series, but I, I can't see him doing too well here. Um, out of all the driver swaps and stuff, obviously the high-tech seat is probably the best one. Futrell has underperformed completely in this season and a half in Formula 3. Um, you know, I think he's probably now just going to be done with single-seaters. Uh, maybe he'll pop up again in Formula Regional or something like that. Um, but really, I think he's had a go in both ART and high-tech, and he hasn't been able to deliver compared to his teammates. So... I think for, for Formula 3, you know, his time is done. Um, but yeah, on Chavot, I think he'll also struggle just because of the the inexperience. It's it's hard being thrown in. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, he should hopefully continue with his Formula Regional sort of season because like you say, he's he's doing well. He could be sort of the best of the rest behind the top sort of Prima drivers and, and Yuri Vips. Um, obviously coached by uh, Regalia. A bit of a shame that Regalia didn't get the high-tech seat here. <laughs> well, that'd be nice to see him back in the, in the third tier. But um, yeah, He'll do quite well to be to be coached by Regalia and Van Am Sport, of course, as well. Um, but yeah, Schumacher at Carlin is probably the the top pick um, because Shrews has just been a mess ever since it entered Formula Three last year. Uh, this is perhaps a bit of a wider debate, but I mean they probably need to sort of review the structure of FIA Formula Three in terms of how many teams are in and sort of the teams that are around because uh, yeah, Shrews probably have one of the best driver lineups on the grid, and yet they have one point. And have just been absolutely nowhere on pace in qualifying or in the races. So, yeah, nice to see Schumacher get, get a better seat in Carlin, who have looked pretty good in the hands of Clement Novelak. Um, so I'm sure now they're going to have two competitive drivers um, right up at the front with, with Novelak and Schumacher. Expecting Schumacher to probably go for a, a top team next year, like Elliot said, um, for a second season. Um, he could be with any of the top teams. Very big talent. Um, same with Fraga as well. So interested to see how that one goes. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, uh, Chavo. It will be difficult learning curve. It's very, very difficult in Formula 3, 30-driver field. Uh, I think he'd be lucky to, to get points, to be honest. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's really, really tricky in FIF where you can have the race of your life and end up in 14th or something like that and go totally unrewarded. Um, Elliot, just quickly on Andreas Esner, he's in for, for just this round in place of uh, Sophia Flersch, who has sports car commitments. Um, what have you made of him so far, uh, being the, the resident Euro Formula Open expert? He's, he's done a very good job uh, in the limited rounds we've had so far there's been quite a big performance discrepancy from circuit to circuit between the teams but he's certainly been the the best driver at Ben Sport Racing and and definitely that's down to experience because obviously he's raced at FIA free level already and done Asian F3 I think and lots of F3 in the past so he could you know come back to FIA free and, and do a decent job but obviously with Campos it's uh not known for being one of the top teams. So it would still be difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to, to Paul Ricard, where you were this weekend, Elliot. Um, you had a, a triple bill of uh, junior single-seaters to cover, which I'm sure you were having plenty of fun with. Um, let's start with Formula Regional European, and it is starting to seem like the, the championship is becoming the, the Leclerc and Petakoff show. Um, is that something that... You, you find at all surprising given given the strength of Prima, or do you think that um, it's a bit of a, a bit surprising that um, uh, other other drivers haven't featured yet this season? It's uh, it's quite a weak grid uh, is Formula Regional European, and that's mainly because Prima dominates. So if you're not in a Prima car, then you're not going to win the title. And there's very little kind of, even with the super license points on offer, which is 25 for champion, there's very little motivation to be in that series if you're not in a car capable of winning, uh, which is odd because in FIA Formula 3, you have 30 cars a weekend and you, you may never finish higher than 20th, but um, it's the same story, I guess. And yeah, Leclerc and Petrov have upped their game massively uh, compared to last, closely in Formula 4 for the last two years. And they've really changed their driving styles. For Petrov, He's got a lot more patient. He's changed his kind of head, like his mind skills, head management. And with Leclerc, it was all about qualifying. He's he's a very inexperienced driver. Did one year in karting, two years in F4. I think he took one pole during that time or two. And he's taken four out of six poles so far in Formula Regional. So that's what's setting him up for success because uh, there's very little overtaking in Formula Regional. Um, even when you're a quicker driver stuck at the back of the grid, it just rarely happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while we're on the topic of Prima drivers, let's touch on um, the, the woes that Jamie Chadwick is having so far this season because uh, a podium in the first round aside, um, the results simply have not been there. And you look at the the timing sheets and uh, that, that translates as well. You had a chance to speak to Jamie uh, about, um, about these issues. Um, what is going on in that camp? Uh, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, goings on. I, I saw some people on the internet claim that the Ferrari juniors, which Petrov and Leclerc, are getting more support in that team. That's not the case. I know the team boss very well. I know quite a few of the engineers there. And obviously, I know the drivers, so I, I can kind of see what's happening. And I think it's purely just a case of some drivers connect to a team and an environment. And some drivers also have a different approach. And when you have certain PR commitments and things like that, it does take time away from the car. And I think it was on Saturday evening after Leclerc was like the last person there at the circuit in the Freck paddock. 
Um, so yeah, that, so that's kind of the contrast in approaches. I think Chadwick's got other things that are distracting her. Uh, then, then yeah, I, it's, it's hard to tell why she's 1.7 seconds slower. If she was a few temps slower than her teammates, you can go, it, it's down to setup, it's down to, to this. But a whole 1.7 seconds in a car that is identical in every way, pretty much to the one she was driving last year and over winter, uh, even on sketchy tyres in Asian F3. Uh, it, there's just no excuse and uh, yeah I, I don't think she's going to get to Formula 1 I'll put it that way Yeah, at this point you, you would have to say that it is looking um, a little bit tricky uh, it is it is probably bizarre as well because in terms of racecraft from what I've seen uh, this season especially, you know racecraft hasn't been too bad at all um, like when it comes to, to attacking and defending it, it's it's there, but for whatever reason, the pace just is is bizarrely nowhere in comparison to to the other driver, uh, the other Prima drivers, which is a real real surprise. Um, let's talk about the, the the Formula Regional stream as well, because they had a, a quite a few issues over the weekend, and that, that's a bit of a bit of a shame. Uh, Josh, you were, you were reporting remotely as well, just as I was. Um, what, what we, what was your take on the on the rather interesting uh, quality of, of the stream this week? Yeah, it was funny. There was like a weird um, buzzing sound, like really annoying sound. But then I realised it was just a commentator. But yeah, um, you know, obviously <laughs> a lot of yeah, the stream was lagging. Like ugh. obviously, this is probably a, a fault of Paul Ricard and the service. There, I'm going to presume. I don't know. Maybe no. Elliot, Elliot knows technical. I, I know exactly what went wrong. The frame rate. <laughs> uh, yeah, basically, it's, it's done by satellites. Pick up on satellite to get it across the globe. And you lower the frame rate to essentially help get that stream up there. And Formula Regional hasn't compromised on that. Uh, whereas other series certainly have. And you can tell when you're watching the streams. Uh, but then in the morning, the pickup at the other end on the, the website hosting the stream hadn't actually kind of done their bit either. And uh, it, yeah, it was all a bit of a, a mess. And in the on by the Sunday afternoon, we were presumed it would have been fixed. And they'd already put out a statement blaming certain parties. Um, and I was in the commentary box with said commentator, uh, <laughs> saying like, "Let's check it's fixed before we start doing anything." Because uh, I was doing commentary that weekend as well. And it was it was appearing. It was appearing for the first few minutes. The stream looked totally fine. And as soon as I leave the commentary box, I get messages from you guys saying like, oh, it's really laggy uh, and stuff like that. So it's presumably just a, a, a tech problem that you can't do anything about. But at the same time, I know it's already not the best experience watching those races. You know, there's, there's not much action. There's... <laughs> That's putting it lightly, I'd say. <laughs> we I, didn't... I think yeah. watching, not... <laughs> it, watching it alone isn't bad if it's on mute. Wow. <laughs> Why would you watch you that? Right, unless, unless there, you can cut that out. Unless, unless you're Brazilian or or you like Leclerc, like or or, or Chadwick, or not even Chadwick, because if you're a Chadwick fan, why would you watch it? Because it's it's just not doing too well. Like there's just not, yeah, there's just not much there, is there? There's just no. How can this carry on? Because this is really going to go on year after year, where we just have Premier and a few other teams like scrambling around. And it's just like a free super license points and a free championship. I mean, Petkoff and Leclerc are two great talents, but let's see them going up against proper competition. 
Yeah, totally. Uh, totally agree with that. And uh, I think it's just like the, the overall package. And for for some reason, the, the teams just don't have uh, like the incentive to to go over there and uh, challenge the likes of Premier and so forth. But given the quality Primer's... of the teams as well, yeah, like Yuri Vips had his break disc. At this point, our recording of the podcast had a technical issue, which meant we dropped out and we had to start recording again. Also not helped by uh, me working on something completely different to the podcast while we're recording and mm-hmm. only paying half attention to what was actually happening. Yeah, at the weekend, Eurovips kick motorsport team had left his brakes on throughout the whole weekend and he was wondering why I was slow in a straight line. So that was quite embarrassing. Then one of the smaller teams can actually get a car out in time for, for one of the sessions. Uh, that was a lack of preparation. And t- at least two drivers aren't committing to, to actually driving at the moment because they're waiting for the teams to kind of sort their stuff out. They're, they don't want to put their money on the line until they know they've got a competitive car underneath them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's move away from, from Formula Regional. Let's uh, touch on Euro Formula Open quickly as well. Um, there was a, a long-awaited win for, for Lucas Danner in there, but Yiffy is still on top. So what's the latest from the world of Euro Formula Open, Elliot? Uh, we were expecting kind of Pirelli-type tyre wear uh, at Paul Ricard with our Michelin tyres. Um, but... And, and this was based off several driver coaches, engineers, etc. going, oh, yeah, the tyres aren't going to last. It's going to be madness. And then we got to race one, and suddenly it was track record pace. Um, tyres were just staying at the same level of grip throughout, and it, it really kind of threw not only pundits, but teams and engineers as well. Um, and then going into the next day, we're like, well, we're probably going to expect the same now, uh, which is what happened. And we ended up having two pretty boring races as a result of that. Possibly the most interesting thing was Carlin upped its pace and uh, Zane Maloney looked like he could have challenged a race one victory, but then he didn't start race one and Carlin wouldn't explain why. Someone online said he spanned on the warm-up lap, but given I was literally watching all the cameras, I didn't see that. Um, so yeah, it, it was odd uh, and it was quite a boring weekend, but I think the fact that Lucas Dunner has come in, missed one round, come in with a Delara 320 and is already challenging, yeah, he's good. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I think Paul Ricard is probably part of the reason for the fact that the racing was so so dull. But one series which did not have um, boring races was Spanish Formula 4, um, which was at that very Spanish track of Paul Ricard. Um, <laughs> anyway, but there was some cracking racing going on there, wasn't there, Elliot? Oh, yeah, that, that was brilliant. It was because I was commentating on race three. And it was annoying that it ended so early because it was just constant action. And because um, with the higher ride height on the Formula 4 cars, you can ride the curbs a bit more. And that means you can basically put cars free wide through some of the corners, which made for pretty spectacular action, constant overtaking in the final few laps of that final race. And it definitely showed who's got it and who hasn't at that level. You see it in Formula 4 as well, uh, in like British F4 as well circuits like Fruxton and maybe Croft as well I think Croft's a good one for the drivers who will try those outlandish overtakes but still make it happen uh, so yeah I, I'm i quite sad that I'm not going to see any more Spanish F4 action trackside for the rest of this year 
Yes. Uh, carrying on with uh, with British uh, British F4 and touching on French F4 as well, Bethany, this is where you come in. Um, I was able to actually catch some of the British F4 this weekend. I got told off for, for um, not being able to catch some of it from, from previous rounds, but um, there, there's some really good racing going on um, up and down the field. Um, I didn't get a chance to catch French F4, but... Um, do you want to talk about what happened in, in those two categories this weekend? Yeah, British Formula 4. I complained that there's no Jeanette Juniors, that there was no Jeanette Juniors at um, BTCC last weekend. And literally every other championship there made up for that. It was fantastic. So um, I've been saying for the past couple weeks, really, that Luke Browning is not a matter of if he's going to win, it, it will be when. And I don't think there's a better place time for him to win than when it's sipping it down one minute and then it's completely dry the next so Luke Browning completely dominated and he got three wins out of three which um, has only ever been done by two other drivers and this is the first time that a driver not racing for Carlin has done it so that's really exciting he completely dominated race one Race two, he had to climb up through from six on the grid because it's a reverse grid race. But again, uh, he got up there relatively quickly. And then just, it was, um, the win wasn't quite as um, certain as his last win. He was racing Alex Connor and they made contact um, and Connor went off and span. But Browning continued and won the race. At the time, I thought it was maybe Browning's fault. He's been forceful in the past, but on replays, it was quite clearly a racing incident, and the stewards agreed with that. And then Browning again dominated race three. Um, no, he didn't. <laughs> Sorry, O'Sullivan dominated race three. Um, it was a really simple race for him, but then Browning, my notes are terrible. Browning completely dominated the race three. Um, O'Sullivan had a really simple race. Headley um, chasing after Browning, couldn't quite catch him. It was a really solid performance from Headley considering how bad last weekend was for him. And But it's still not really enough to put him towards the front of the field again. Just looking at these paths three rounds, it does seem like it's going to be the O'Sullivan versus Browning um, championship with Headley there t to scoop up if everyone mucks up, which I believe is what Elliot said would be at the start of the season. Uh, a word on Farrier. Farrier really should have won by now. It's not his fault that he hasn't won. Uh, there was contact in the opening race between him and Belinsky and that ruined his entire weekend, really. So hopefully hopefully now Browning has got his win, and I keep saying Farrier should win. Hopefully Farrier will win the next round. And that was British Formula 4. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think being able to wet Saturday afternoon at Alton Park is, is crucial to, to a driver's development. Um going up the ladder, but that might just be me. Uh, can you talk about French French Formula 4 as well, um, a little bit? French Formula 4 was really a masterclass from 
Awaisa. I'm really sorry if I pronounce anyone's names wrong again. Um, he didn't really have any competition in races one and three. They're the races that are based on the grid. He um, raced through reverse grid and obviously he had to climb up through that. He didn't win, but he had another solid rip at all. Um, his teammate and fellow Honda junior Sato, he looked really competitive in the main, in the first, but then there was a crash in race, which really put him on the back foot in the championship standings. We talk about consistency over and over again, or I do anyway. And if you have a crash like that, then that's going to, and your teammate just completely puts in consistent results. And that could be the thing that tips the championship. So at this really early stage, it looks like it's going to be competition between those. Um, hopefully other people can come and uh, fight for that championship just because it's always fun to see loads of people fighting for the championship. It's only been one round, so we can't say those who are going to dominate it when it's really based on one or two qualifying sessions. But based entirely on one weekend, it does look like it's going to be those two fighting, which is good for Honda. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, certainly. Um, switch over to the, to the other side of the pond uh, briefly. It was the Indianapolis 500 last weekend, won by... Uh, former British Formula 3 legend Takuma Sato um, but the the normal Freedom 100 was not um, active this year obviously because the Indy Light season has been cancelled but Elliot there were races held at Lucas Oil Raceway and there was a bit of a, a surprise in the Indy Pro 2000 race yeah a huge surprise for people watching I don't think it was a surprise for the driver who actually did it though um Cody Swanson, who's in his 30s. I think Josh has the, the full lowdown from that because he managed to, to stay up long enough to watch it in the early hours of the morning. Yeah, uh, Cody Swanson has a, a lot of experience over racing. Obviously, no experience of Indy Pro. Um, and actually, he like, dominated the race, like Elliot said. That probably wasn't much of a surprise to him. But um, certainly everyone watching, it was just kind of, where does this guy come from? But apparently, is quite well known in terms of uh, American oval racing. So he used that experience really well, and uh, you know, I'd like to see this kind of more one-offs from from him. Uh, I mean, he could even step up to when Indy Lights comes back next year. I'd like to see him have a go at the proper Freedom One Hundred because he was absolutely rapid here. Um, so really, really good to see. Uh, and over in USF um, Two Thousand, it was Christian Rasmussen again who won. Of course, the, he's dominated on on the road courses so far. But the first sort of oval contest, and he absolutely, you know, dominates. Uh, really, really good performance. Looking really, really strong this year. Obviously, I mean, it's his, um, you know, second year in the championship, uh, and he's, you know, fairly experienced at this sort of level now. Um, I think definitely, it's fair to say he's ready for graduation now. Uh, he has been for for a long time. Just a perfect season so far for him. So, yeah, one sort of expected winner in US two thousand, uh, USF uh, two thousand, but uh, a really nice surprise winner. Uh, over an indie pro yeah certainly and um there there are uh there are rumors speculating or going around at the moment that the, the rescheduled um mid ohio round will be held uh towards the middle of next month um which would be nice to see so we'll get more races on both of those calendars um so let's look to the the features that we've got on the website um elliot this is something which I think you can talk about you've been working on 
on a feature on uh, on the Prema pair uh, in Formula Regional, and we've also got data analysis of FIF free up. Um, we should have a Formula Two one as well, and you should also have a preview for Super Formula. Yeah, lots of lots of work to do, and and I've got lots of other work to do as well. Uh, yeah, I spoke to Petitroff and Leclerc and their other team at Oliver Rasmussen all together because it's basically a freeway free title fight between three of them. And there's some interesting stuff. They're, they're broadly in agreement of everything, apart from tyres. That was very interesting hearing their different responses for that question. Uh, and that will hopefully be on the website today. And then we also had a feature guy yesterday, which was the Faku Regalia one. Uh, which Josh wrote up, and uh, yeah, I think that you can also listen to that as a podcast. Most of this stuff I was doing in an airport yesterday, so it's all a bit gone in my mind already. And uh, then we've got Super Formula Preview, which has changed because I was planning to do the replacement drivers, but the Japanese immigration authorities have made a serious U-turn and actually allowed uh, drivers uh, back into the country to the race essentially without having to quarantine for two weeks and we've also got an f2 data analysis which like our one after austria and a bit like our formula 3 one is going to go heavy on who's actually quickest on the race runs and uh trying to take out discrepancies such as safety car appearances and like major driver errors see which teams are genuinely like the best uh, and like you said earlier with tictum and vips it does look like dams can turn its tyres on after about 10 laps and put in these really solid race stints uh, in like the middle and the end of races. But by that point, uh, Tictum or Galal is usually in like 15th or 10th and it doesn't really matter by that point because they're not getting the results they need. So yeah, that, that feature will be very interesting and there's way more news to come from this week because it's a very busy one. Oh yes, definitely. So, uh, as uh, as mentioned, we've got Super Formula, we've got Super Formula Lights as well. Um, we've got Formula Two and Formula Three at Spa, British Formula Three at Brands Hatch, British Formula Four at Knock Hill, uh, Italian Formula Four at Imola, Indy Pro at Gateway. Uh, absolutely heaps. So uh, let's uh, let's preview a little bit. Um, Formula Two and FIA Three at Spa. Um, F3 heads into its final third of the season and F2 heads into its second half. Um, so do we expect any any surprises possibly uh, this weekend? Uh, Josh, we haven't had to speak to you for, for or too much for a while. So uh, what, what... <laughs> look for you guys. <laughs> no, don't say that. Uh, so, so what do you think will happen this weekend? Oh, I mean, I absolutely love Spa and Monza, two fantastic rounds. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Formula 3 here is has so much history, especially around Spa and Monza. Um, and Formula 2 is always great as well. Of course, you know, Antoine Hubert will be on a lot of people's minds this weekend. Um, so I'm sort of interested to see if they'll if they'll do something special for that at the uh, sort of throughout the weekend. Um, but yeah, I'm sure that there'll be some really, really great racing. And in terms of the championship pictures, you know, if you're going to, win this Formula 3 title, you really need to get a move on. You know, you have to make this weekend yours. At the moment, it's a private promo battle between Logan Sargent and Oscar Piastri. If the likes of, you know, Lawson, Porsche, uh, Frederick Vesti want to get involved, they really need to, you know, win here and, and win big because um, there's only three rounds left, like you say. So will this be a two-horse race or can a third horse uh, come from a four? I think at the moment <laughs> it probably will be Piastri and Sargent, but... um you can never sort of bet against Liam Lawson. So we'll see how that one goes. And in terms of Formula 2, 
it's so hard to know what to expect. I really have no idea. Uh, I lots been the man in qualifying, but the races have just been absolutely anyone's guess. Hopefully this data analysis will give us a few more answers. Um, but it is very, very hard to say uh, who's going to be quick there. It's, it's always great racing. Uh, can sometimes be tyre dominated, but it's, I think it's more sort of racing dominated, really. So let's see who, who comes out on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bethany, what are you looking forward to this weekend that isn't British Formula 4 at Not Kill? Because I know you love the combination of British F4 and Not Kill. Um, do you know Junior's at Not Kill? Oh, for but, um, sake. <laughs> previously, um, Schumacher's going to win because I keep saying he's going to win every round and then he never does. So hopefully he can pull pull his finger out and do something good but yeah i agree with josh it's hard to predict anything in formula two right now um formula three um piastri is going to have another um drs issue but again um like josh said those drivers really need to put in some good races to really put the pressure on piastri and make those drs failures actually mean something because right now he's really been able to keep under control even with his sonnets to DRS so that's going to be Spa's a great track and it's F2 and F3 so far been great racing so what could go wrong? Uh, Yeah uh, definitely and Elliot what are you looking forward to in particular this weekend? I know know you're busy covering um, other things but what are you going to try and um make sure you keep up to date on uh certainly super formula even though it's at like three in the morning uh, because there's a lot of drivers i've followed for a few years now and i guess toshiki oyu who i got to meet at silverstone last year who properly blew me away with what he did on track so very excited to see how he's going to fare in super formula and i'm hoping storm francis doesn't get any worse because i don't think british f4 is going to be able to race if the weather continues as it is in the uk yeah, that's that's another thing that's going to be interesting to see if that any of that happens. And um, Scotland is probably the worst place in the UK to try to be when there's a big storm going on. So um, it's bad enough. I, I love Knockhill, but the weather's bad enough on a normal day. So hopefully they can at least get something done. And if no, if not, then that can be rearranged it's really tight um it's really tight schedule every talker weekend so the last time british formula 4 had a race called off they kept the results even though they'd done two laps and both were behind the safety car so hopefully we don't have that again and hopefully if the races don't happen at knock hill they'll happen somewhere although it won't be as good as knock hill of course um that obviously affects brands hatch as well for, for british f3 i know opposite parts of of the uk but um being not too far away from brands hatch myself i can confirm it's been pretty blustery uh here over the past few days um but but for me I, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to to formula two and formula three at spa um i'll, I'll be frantically on the, on the news desk again for both um hopefully we'll have one this year especially after the events of last year so let's hope that is the case um elliot if we've got any other any other business to to cover um we will well if we haven't then we will end but if we do uh then do shout (laughs) 
check uh, F3 haven't announced anything else. Yeah. <laughs> yes, hopefully. Yeah, we're, we're expecting Mikhail Belov to be announced by Charas soon. Uh, but we don't know when that's actually going to happen and if not. And that's purely because we've seen a FIA Formula 3 webpage that's gone up early. So, yeah, that's it. Little... He's not going to score points. No one will ever score points to Truce again. <laughs> Truce are cancelled. Sorry, Truce. Oh, no. <laughs> well, it's, I think it's safe to say that we're off their Christmas card list. Um, I'm not getting... Uh, yeah, I will not be on their Christmas no. card Sorry, Truce. <laughs> um, but... Uh... They've got good drivers, at least. Um, so, uh, um, and we'll be back soon with another Formula Scout podcast. Adios. Bye. Goodbye.